we're going through, for those who don't know, we're going through the messy series. And so that's where I want to commend him. I'm so thankful for a pastor that doesn't shy away from the tough topics or the controversial things. And so we've been diving into, you know, I mean, uh, you know, homosexuality, divorce, marriage, sex, like all of these things. And so his heart is just to bring just wisdom and, and grace and truth over that. And so, again, just so thankful um, for his heart within that. And so if you need a Bible, can you put your hand up? We have some great people passing out some Bibles. And so this morning we're continuing in this messy series, the messiness of life. And, again, I love that heart of, of Jesus wants us to come to him with all that we are, not hiding anything, not pretending like we have everything together, but Jesus wants to see the real you, um, and, that, and that he's, he's not scared of that. He actually wants that and embraces that, and so, uh, again, we're, we're, we're talking about marriage, or no, uh, we're talking about dating this morning, and I would just say, uh, my heart and my approach this morning is, uh, is a protective big brother approach. Like, I, that would be just, there's two types of learning. Uh, we can learn through experiencing, and we can learn through just wisdom. And so my hope this morning would be that some of my experiences um, can actually give you guys wisdom on, on how to p- pursue this topic in just such a healthy and just a life-giving way. So that would, again, just be my heart. I have, uh, you know, two little sisters, and I'm very, very big brother protective over them. And so just been even thinking about them and what would I want them to hear and them to know, because now they're at that age uh, where they can you know, start dating and things like that. And so again, um, yeah, like that's, that's the heart, that's the approach that I have. You know, I don't want um, the focus of, of a dating message to be like, date, how to do it? Well, well don't. Like, um, that's not my heart. Like, I actually, there are some healthy ways that, that you guys can do that in, in, in a life-giving fashion. And so, but the, the first thing that I actually do want to say um, is that it is, it is okay to be single. Um, especially at your guys' age, like, that's healthy. Like, I, you know, I, I recommend a season of you guys are learning, you guys are growing, and so it, it's okay uh, as you are still learning about yourself to not have to try to conform to somebody else. So there is healthiness within that. But, you know, a little bit about me, my, my first uh, girlfriend was when I was in seventh grade, and, you know, I, was, I, I moved to a new school, um, so I didn't really know anybody. Um, yeah, it lasted three weeks, so, you know, true love. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll get, we'll get there. And so, um, but, but, you know, I, I was kind of this, like, sheltered kid. I didn't really know what a lot meant, and so people were approaching me, and, and they were like, so-and-so, like, wants you to ask her out. And to be honest, again, I didn't even know what it meant to be in a relationship. So my first response was, I am not dancing. Like, what? Like, we don't care. Like, you know, uh, because I, like, middle school dances or things like that just terrified me. And so, but, like, not knowing, like, anything, you know, um, but again, not really knowing a lot of people. And so there's kind of this pressure to conform, this pressure of, like, well, maybe it'll help my social status. Like, you know, and so, you know, whatever. And so this this is the sad part, though, um, is that, like, I said yes, but I actually, like, I had someone else ask her out on, on my behalf. Like, that, that's, I, I just want to say something. If you cannot have a face-to-face conversation with someone, like, you have no business being in a relationship. Like, don't hide behind your Snapchat and your Instagram messages and not even be able to put down the phone and have an actual conversation with someone. I'm just, like, until you can do that, like, you cannot be dating. Like, I would just say that. And so, um, <laughs> don't hide behind your phone. Put the phone down. Talk to somebody face to face. And so, um, but you know, so you know, again, me being very bold in relationships, having somebody else do it for me. And so, you know, again, it lasted like 
you know, I think three weeks, you know, I barely talked to her because I was so nervous. She would approach and I would just pretend like I was casually walking in the other direction, you know. And so it's just, and then, you know, a couple weeks later, you know, I'm dumped. Oh, weird. Um, but this is, this is why I say that. This is why I say that. It's because I think in middle school there's pressure to date because there's this pressure to fit in. That, that, that with dating can even come this, like, status or this, like, self-worth. And so for me, it was this idea of, like, I didn't even know her, didn't even, like, understand how a lot of that worked. But, like, going to a new school, not really knowing anyone, it was this idea of, like, oh, well, she's popular. It makes sense. And so, like, I understand sometimes there's pressure to date in the idea of fitting in, in the idea of having somebody else kind of make you feel better about yourself, you know, and just in all honesty. And so, but with this desire... Uh, of fitting in, I would just say Jesus doesn't actually call us to blend in. He doesn't call us to fit in with the ways, but he calls us to actually, he calls us to stand out. And that Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's love for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Like we all seek love. Like we all seek this um, these affections, and, and, and we desire that. I think that's, you know, having to be human is in that. But I would just say, here's the problem, that we need validation, identity, and true love from Jesus. Like, that has to be what fills our tank. That has to be what gives us purpose. And I would say, when we take all of that off of Jesus, and we put it onto a person, and we give them the responsibility of fulfilling that, they cannot reciprocate a love that only God can give. And so I would just say that, you know, in order to, like, figure out how to date, you have to learn how to love yourself before you can truly care for someone else. That if you don't think you're good enough to love yourself, how will you think you're good enough for someone else to date you? And so, again, this, that's why I say the idea of it's, it's healthy and important to have this time where, where you are single, where you are learning about yourself and, and the things that you desire in your heart. But, but you have to let Jesus be that source of, of identity, of love, of purpose. Like, like a human cannot give you the things that only God can give. And so before you date, you have to understand that your validation, your worth, your identity, it comes from Jesus. It's not circumstantial based on whether I'm in a relationship or whether I'm not. Because if that's what gives us purpose and validation, it's going to be a roller coaster of emotions. Yet when, but when all focus is on Jesus, that's where we can have that solid, that firm foundation. So I would just say, like, learn to love yourself and let Jesus love you before you ever look for a significant other. And, and I would just say, too, though, you know, I understand sometimes there's that, there's that pressure of, of wanting to fit in or that pressure of, of being popular. But you might honestly be sitting here this morning saying, like, no, like, that's actually not why. Like, I actually, like, I like someone or, you know, whatnot. And so that's where my heart is actually, like, I want to dive into some healthy ways to date. Like, I want to talk about that because I think it, it is important. It is valid. And I would just say, uh, in my life, I feel like I've observed three types of relationships and I would say two are unhealthy and one is healthy. And so those are the ones that I want to look and I want to talk about. And so if, if we could actually put the first one um, on the screen, I would say the first type of relationship <laughs> is where all emphasis is on that other person while you and Jesus sit on the back burner. And I would say I think often at times it, it appears noble to put someone else above yourself, but ultimately it's foolish. And I say that because it's, it's life-draining and, and, and in a healthy relationship, it actually needs to be mutually life-giving. That you can't put just someone else fully just above you and you just suffer. That when, when, when I was in high school, um, 
I was in this relationship, and she was, she was hanging out with, with my parents and my family. And, and if I could just be honest, like, this is the type of relationship that it felt like. Um, she wasn't probably as encouraging or as life-giving as I probably needed. And to be honest, um, my dad was kind of just, like, sitting there getting slightly frustrated. Um, and he kind of pulls me aside. And, 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 and in a Papa Bear loving, gentle way, was just like, you know, like, you you don't have to be treated that way. Like, 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 you know that you deserve better, right? I was like, ah, are you sure? Like, that, that doesn't sound right. You know, and my dad's like, no, 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 like, like, your, like your feelings matter too, you know? And, and again, I was like, mm, I, I don't know. That, that, for whatever reason, that doesn't, that doesn't sink right. And my dad, in the most loving but firm way, just said, son, if you don't take care of it, I will. And at that moment, I was like, okay, like, like he needs business. And, and, and I would just say, for me, though, in that season, it was, um, it was actually kind of funny. I, I actually stood up for myself because I had never done that in six months. And it, it led to a big fight. I told my dad about it, and he actually high-fived me. Because it was, again, this idea of, of learning to stand up for yourself. And I'm not, I'm not condoning arguments. I'm not saying it like that. But what I mean is the idea of I just kind of sat there and just let someone not treat me right. And it isn't noble to let someone treat you poor, and it isn't noble to stay in that environment. Like, the idea would be that, that, that if it, I would just say this, if it isn't mutually life-giving, don't waste your time. Like, I would even say, like, like end it now. Like, if you're in, if you're in, in, in a relationship or, or something where, where you just feel drained, you feel like, like, like I'm not even a priority or I don't matter, things like that. Like, like don't be in that type of environment that you, you do deserve better. And, and they're, it, a healthy relationship, it needs to be life, mutually life-giving. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And I would just say that there, there is a responsibility we are given to guard and to steward our hearts. And obviously, w- within a balance, I would say at times, uh, even that verse I've wrestled with, because uh, often I, I've taken that verse so literally where I'm saying, okay, well, I'm going to guard my heart, yet I would guard it so tight that I wouldn't let Jesus in or I wouldn't let other people in. And, and, and in order to guard your heart in a healthy way, you actually have to let go of it and trust that not only Jesus can guard it, but he can take better care of it than you ever could. But I would also say, again, at the same time, that there is, this, there is a responsibility to guard and steward and protect your heart. And so if you're in something that is just life-draining, like it, that, that isn't the heart that Jesus would have. And I would say in the same way, it took me, uh, you know, it took me years kind of later even thinking about that story where my dad wanted to stand up f- for me. But I would say in the same way, that's the heart of our Heavenly Father. That I would just say, like, when, when, when we're not being treated the best way and, and it isn't life-giving, that I would just say our, 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 our Heavenly Father is, is up there saying, like, you know you don't have to take that, right? Like, 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 you know, like, you deserve better. Like, you know that I have better. Like, I want you to know your worth. And I think when we lose that and we try to find validation in somebody else who can't reciprocate a love that only Jesus can give, like, and we're exhausted, we're drained, we're empty, like, Jesus' heart is up there breaking. Because he's saying, like, I have better for you. Like, you deserve better. You don't need to be treated this way. And I would just say, too, in that type of relationship, when, when one person is elevated above you and above Jesus, nothing you do will be enough. And it will all become about works. It will all become about trying to prove, uh, like, like, how you are, are worthy of it. But, you know, what's interesting is that that lifestyle is, health, is unhealthy, and it will wear out your heart. But not only that, Jesus calls us to a lifestyle that is the exact opposite. 
that Jesus calls us to a lifestyle, it's not about works or deeds that proves your validation. So it's not about, like, I have to do this and this and this and this and this to prove that I'm a good enough boyfriend or a girlfriend. Like, that was never a lifestyle that we were meant to carry. That Jesus calls us to a lifestyle that understands our worth is in love and grace and not about performance. And, and in the same way, we were never meant to elevate a temporary thing and use that to validate our lives. And I would just say in Matthew six nineteen through 20, and then also verse 33, It says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and thieves break in and steal. Store up treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy. And, and, um, I'm sorry, store up treasures in heaven where moths can't, yeah, yeah, Um, (laughs) I'm so sorry. And, And rust cannot destroy and thieves break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. That seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. That the lifestyle of works justifying our value was never the way that God intended. And so that, that's true of relationships, but that's also true in every aspect of our life. And I would just say the, the second type of relationship that I would see, if we want to put that one up on, is the idea that you elevate yourself above the other person and above Jesus, and they sit on the back burner while it becomes all about what I can get. And I would just say that approach is selfish. That if the point of dating is to lead to marriage, which that is the point. We talked about you know, marriage you know, a while back, but, but, but that's the heart of, of dating. It's to find someone that, that, that you would want to take that next step with. And so if, if that's the heart, like marriage is a team. And there are those moments where it does require you to be selfless. It requires you to not just, it's not just what I can get from another person, but it's what I can give. Like, I want to be, again, mutually life-giving for that other person. And so if, if, if marriage is a team, like, that's the approach you must have is an, uh, an unselfish heart. Because if you carry a self, selfish heart into that, you are only going to have so many problems. It will not be a healthy thing. That Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And that James three sixteen says, For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. And I would just say, too, it's important to find value, security, and confidence in yourself, but not at the expense of other people. That, that, that don't make the mistake of thinking that, that you are more important than Jesus or that you are more important than the other person. Because the heart of Jesus, he came to serve. He came to care for one another. And again, wanting to emulate that in a healthy way, whether it is in the context of dating or whether it's outside of the context of dating, the lifestyle that we want to give is we want to be serving and, and pouring into one another and caring for them. That, that you know, Mark ten forty five says, For even the Son of Man came, to, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The King of Kings came to this earth to serve and care for other people. And so if we want a healthy relationship and, and a healthy lifestyle, that's the example that we must follow, that it cannot just be about instant gratification. It cannot just be about what I can get out of a relationship and move on to the next. But it's rather about finding something that's healthy where I'm encouraging, I'm equipping, and I, I, I am helping somebody else as well. And I would just say living a selfish lifestyle 
will put you in situations you have no business being in. And when your heart isn't in a healthy place, you will not be able to resist. If, uh, if you guys want to you know, open up your Bibles, it's also going to be on the screen too. But 2 Samuel 11, uh, 1 through 4, it's talking about King David. And, and, and this is a man that's you know, known in the Bible as a man after God's own heart. And, and there's this time, though, where, where all of the other kings go off to war. And yet, and yet, for whatever reason, he decides to stay back. And so he finds himself in a position that he had no business being in. But like, again, let's, let's read and kind of see what happens. But it says, in the spring of the year, when kings norm- normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabaha. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon and after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he, as he looked over out into the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and, she, and he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uri the Hittite. Then David sent the messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. And for most of us probably know the story, but, but after that, like, she actually, she becomes pregnant. And so in this moment, like, David is panicking because he's trying to cover up and he's trying to hide this in. And, and, and he doesn't want to actually, like, doesn't want to admit it. He doesn't want to come clean. And so he's continually trying to hide. And so there's this moment where he, he brings her, her husband home from war. And hopes to kind of cover this up. Where it's like, I, like it's, it's not me. You know, and just trying to push him back towards his wife. Yet what we find in this moment is that like Uriah, like he, he, he doesn't go back home. That he actually, he stays at, at the palace gate. Because he understood his calling and his responsibility in that moment. A few verses later in 2 Samuel uh, 11, 10, 10 through 11. It says, when David heard that Uriah had not gone home, He summoned him and asked, what's the matter? Why didn't you go home last night after being away for so long? Uriah replied, the ark and the armies of Israel and Judah are living in tents. And Joab and my master's men are camping in open fields. How could I go home to wine and dine and sleep with my wife? I I, I swear that I would never do such a thing. And and, and he had such a, a selfless reproach in the heart of understanding the responsibilities that he had in that moment. That, that, that in that moment, that man's calling was to being out in war with the people. Yet we notice that in the same context, the kings normally go off to war too. So in this moment where, where, where he is like, I cannot go home because there are things that we have to do. David decided to stay back in, in, in selfishness and laziness, whatever we want to call it. And so David had no business being on that rooftop. That, that David's heart should have been out with him too. But we see David in this moment was selfish and fixated on what he could get. And so things blow up in his face. And he's only worried about covering it up. That again, we see one man with a selfish approach of, I'm just, I'm not even going to go out to war. I don't feel like that. And then I'm going to sleep until the middle of the day. <laughs> and then I'm going to like overlook this palace. And he notices someone and then finds out, oh, she's married. Yet that doesn't stop him, that it was this idea of a selfish approach, a selfish approach, a selfish approach of of what can I get, what can I get, what can I get. And yet we look at the other man and we see that he was fixated on the matters of the people. That he understood what was was his responsibility and his role in that moment. And I would just say, you want to be healthy? 
Seek and serve people. And I would just say, even in the context of relationships, are we searching for someone to fulfill our desires? Or are you trying to be that right person for when the time is right? That it's not just about trying to find the right person as much as it's also about trying to be the right person for someone else. And I would just say a side note in that passage where David had no business being on that rooftop. I would just say David noticed her beauty and and so he slept with her. Yet let me just say like that was all he noticed. And I would just say that that no person is just an object for your instant gratification. That, that, that he only noticed her, exter- her external turning a beauty, but none of the internal. And I would just say, if you only notice their beauty on the outside, but not on the inside, you have no business dating them. Like, like, like don't just look for someone for physical appearance sake, but like, know their heart. Know who they are. And so again, in this moment where David just, like, he misses it because he looks over this rooftop and all he notices is her beauty. And again, like, he also, know, he, he finds out later she's married, so common logic would say, stay far away. But it was this, this, this drive in the flesh for instant gratification that fueled him to be self, selfish. And I would just say that, like, when it comes to dating, you better love the inside of that person, too. Like, you better know who they are. They, that person should be one of your best friends. I would just say that, too. Like, like, in dating, this actually isn't even in my notes. But, like, starting with a friendship is the healthiest approach that you can have. That it's not just about the status or, or, or they're my, my, you know, like my boyfriend or my girlfriend. Like, get to know who they are. Get to, get to know their heart. Get to know their story. Become friends with them. And so I would just say, like, notice the inside. Like, that's so important. And again, we can look back and we can see what happens when you only notice the external and what that leads to. And then the, 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 the last type, we could put the third one up, is it puts all emphasis on Jesus while you and, 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 and your bae, sorry, um, are on, on the same level. And, and, and there's, two, there's two healthy things about this. First off, the only way that a relationship can be healthy is when Jesus is at the center and the, and, and the highest point. That it needs to be fixated on Jesus. That, that's the healthy way. But then, again, I, I kind of talked about it earlier, but the idea that it needs to be mutually life-giving. So you guys need to be on the same level. That, that in the same way that it shouldn't just be me constantly trying to perform and find validation and security, and if I could just be a good enough boyfriend or girlfriend, if I could just do this, do this, do this, while then you're being drained, that's not healthy. But in the same way, if it's just what I can get, what I can get, what I can get all about me, that's not healthy either. It needs to be mutually life-giving. And so, you know, a few years, way, way back, actually, I was, I was looking at other colleges. I was trying to think about where to go. And there was this moment where, where I was looking at the University of, of Montana. And so I went with my parents, and we actually did. We did a Yellowstone trip. I love it. That area is amazing. And so I remember, though, in this moment, I was actually, I was talking to, uh, to a girl back here. And I remember also trying to navigate looking at colleges and things like that. And so I remember one night, you know, like, we're, we're in a hotel. And I kind of just, I, I get up and I leave. And I'm just walking the main area of Montana. And I remember praying something. I remember saying, God, like, I would love it if, if it worked out with so-and-so. And I would love it if I went to school here. But if that doesn't happen, I'm, I'm seriously okay. Like, I just, like, I, I want you to lead. 
And in in this moment, like, it wasn't about trying to get brownie points with Jesus. He already knows, you know, all of our heart anyway. He sees sees through all of that. But, But my heart really was like, God, like, I want you just to lead. And so I would actually say, it's funny, uh, I got friend-zoned in that one, really, in that one thing. And, uh, and then I actually went to Oregon State. So both of those things, I went in the completely opposite direction, yet it was so life-giving and it was, um, and, you know, it was healthy. And so, again, this idea of, like, God, I just want, I want you to leave. And yet, you know, fast forward some time later, and so I, I, was, in another, I was in another relationship. And, and to be honest, like, there were things where it kind of started having some problems. And there were other areas in my life that maybe things weren't going as smoothly as I wanted. And I remember kind of just praying. I was like, God, like, I can't afford to lose that. Like, God, you can take this thing, you can take this thing, but God, like that, like, I I don't know what to do. I don't know how I would start over. Like, God, like, leave that one alone. I can't lose that. And I remember, you know, it wasn't long after where things just kind of blew up in my face. And I remember, like, walking along the beach at Cannon Beach in in the pitch black, just, like, breaking down before Jesus. And I was so angry. But here's the thing. I wasn't angry at Jesus. I was angry at myself. Because I remembered this time where there was a heart that said, God, I just want you to lead. And whatever whatever that outcome is, I'm okay with that. And I remember in in my head and in my heart thinking, where did that gradual shift come? To where I was like, no, 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 God, like, you actually don't have permission in that one. Like, God, you actually can't touch that. And I remember, like, like, just trying to refix my heart of saying, like, I want that heart all over again. Of just saying, God, I want you to lead. Because here's the point. If there is something in your life that is off limits to God, it has no business being in your life. I mean, whether that's relationships, whether that's like, God, like, no, 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 like, like, like that area is off limits, but you can have this, you can have this, you can have this, or whether it's even something else, whether it's, it's a sport or a hobby or just something where it's like, anytime we, we present this to God, but we hold this around for ourselves, it does not have business being in our life. That Ephesians three seventeen through 19 says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as our God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And I would just say, only the love of Jesus can make us complete. And so when it comes to relationships, we cannot be pushing him away, but rather we must be bringing him in and embracing his opinion. And his opinion matters when it comes to the matter of our hearts. Because again, it's, 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 it's this, our Heavenly Father has this protective Father approach for us. And so he sees what's best for us. I would just say, a side note, if you like anyone, bring them to your family. Don't, don't just like try to go and just hang out with them. Bring them into your family because your family cares and loves and wants what's best for you. And so there should be this like a little bit of a test, like bringing, bringing even this person into the idea of the context of saying, hey, Jesus, what do you think about this? Like, Jesus, do they pass the test? Because again, it's this protective nature of there is no one that will better love, guard, and steward your heart than Jesus. And, and, and so bringing that before him is like the healthiest way. And I would just say, you know, again, I kind of talked about it, but, but you know, if we could actually pull back that, that, that triangle, the, the third one up, where, again, we see that Jesus is, is at the center and that, 
the, the two of you are on the other sides. But again, as you actually like pursue the other person, and as actually you get closer to the other person, you're getting closer to Jesus as well. Because Jesus is in the center. So as you get closer to Jesus, you're actually getting closer to them mutually at the same time. And like that's the way that it's intended. That's the way that it's healthy. But again, Jesus is the only one that can fill that gap. That there has to be the three. That like Jesus has to be in that story. And I would just say, for me, there was something that I did before my first, uh, before my first relationship. My dad kind of sat me down, and he, was, he really wanted me to take this to heart. But it was 10, 10, 10. And it was a list. And we actually, uh, at the end of the service, we, ha- we have some of those that we'll be passing out. But, but the first thing was that 10 qualities I want in a future spouse. And, and so it was, and, and, and matters of the heart, not like I want him or her to be blonde or I want, you know, like, 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 like what about her heart? Like, 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 I, like, you know, like I want, like I want her to value family or I want her to be faithful or like, what, like whatever these type of things are. But 10 qualities that I need in, in a spouse. Because the thing is, as you learn the things you need, you will also learn the things like you don't want as well. And both of those are very important to know and to understand. The second part, though, is ten qualities I want that person to see in me. Because, again, it's not just about finding the right person to be with. It's about being the right person for someone else. So, again, what are the things I want her you know, or him to see that I love Jesus above everything else? That, 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 that I, I will not actually prioritize her above Jesus. I, I, you know, and, and, and the idea of what are these things in my life that I want to be that somebody else will look at and take notice of. And the last thing is 10 qualities and values I want to share with that future spouse. So like standards and values that, that we would share together. Um, where if uh, the keys, is that Noah? <laughs> just want to come on and play the keys a little bit. Um, just kind of closing out with just one last thing. But I would just say that when it comes to making this list, and, and, and when it comes to finding like what we value and finding what we seek after, that requires us to do something. It requires us to set the bar high. And, and I would just say, with setting the bar high, we can't compromise that. Like, like I think often we'll, we'll see what we want, we'll know what we want, we'll set the bar high, but then again, that, that need for validation, that need of I need to be pursued, I want to be liked, I want to be sought after, will cause us to compromise on the very things that we, that, that we wanted. And so I would say when it comes to setting the bar high, we have to leave the bar there. That we have to be patient and trust that Jesus will bring someone within his timing, somebody that fulfills everything that we need. And I would just say, I think the, the idea is that we, we must understand that we deserve somebody who actually meets those standards, meets those desires in our heart. And I would just say, often at times, we don't believe that because we don't understand our full value. And I'm just, again, going to close with this last thing. There was this chick flick that I was watching because, yes, I watch chick flicks. And, uh, <laughs> you know. But this frustrated boy, like, approaches a teacher because he likes this girl, but she's not like, she's not seeing it. She's, 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 she's with somebody that isn't treating her right. And he just, this boy just looks at his teacher broken and says, why do nice people choose the wrong people to date? And I remember like this teacher's response, it was so simplistic, but so powerful. He said, we accept the love we think we deserve. And I would just say like moving 
before and this idea of relationships. You have to know your love, you have to know your worth, and you have to know your value. And I think oftentimes we sell ourselves short. So I would just say, standing here as, uh, as your pastor, but also as a big brother, as, like loving and caring for you guys, like know your worth. That, that when you set that bar high, don't compromise because insecurities will say, well, that person isn't actually out there. No, that person is. That Jesus will bring them within time. And often that requires us to be patient. And, and, and that's a whole different sermon. But... But knowing your worth is everything. And, and knowing that our, our Heavenly Father, again, it's this protective nature within Him to say, like, my son, my daughter, you're loved, you're valuable, you're cherished. And so moving forward, we, we know that we don't need to compromise because our validation and our love doesn't come from another human being, but it can only come through Jesus. So let's, uh, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that, that you have a, a, a heavenly heart that cares for us, that loves us, that values us, and that I thank you that we thank you that our, our validation doesn't come from someone else, but it comes from you. That, that you give us a love that cannot be reciprocated in any way, shape, or form. And so, God, with that, we want to understand our value. And we want to understand our worth. And God, we, we, we want to be as healthy as possible. So in, in, in areas of friendships, in areas of family, in areas of relationships, all of that, we want a healthy heart and a healthy approach. So God, would you lead us? God, would you steward us? God, would you guide us moving forward with it? And we look to you for wisdom and strength. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you in your name.